All right, here we go. We are back in December, of course, for Movies We Missed in 2017. Of course, T-Max is not here, so I brought a special guest along to talk about a movie that may have fell through the cracks here in 2017. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get deep into it. Me and my guest host here on a very special edition of the Review Review. Sun and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sun. Hit me up. Come on. No. Back me up. No. Back me up. No. Come on. Come Don't on. Get me to do karaoke. I'm gonna <laughs> sing on a podcast. Welcome to the review review, a show where two small town dudes usually, but now it's one small town dude and his significant other, better half. That's right. That's better. <laughs> Give you our big dumb opinions. I am JT3K along with. Molly Pop? Bam, baby, that's right. And we are going to be talking about a movie that may have fallen through the cracks in 2017, one you may not have maybe even heard of, but has been getting some pretty rave reviews. We're talking about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. That's right. The uh, acclaimed director of such films as In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths doing this Ooh. film. You didn't know that? I did not know that he did Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I will IMDB it at some point if you get into a rant and I can get a time to talk. But the time for talk for me is beginning because I am pretty much holding this entire show on my shoulders. Yes, this <laughs> this will be your live or die moment. I am going to try my best to hold... All of this together, because T-Max is on vacation in sunny San Fran, and meanwhile we're here in the crusted white <laughs> debris that is our hometown. I think you forgot the ice? The ice oh, crusted Oh gosh, white? Troy, be prepared when you come back, because <laughs> this place turned into an absolute crap fest oh. once, you, uh, once you left. But anyways, regardless, we are talking films of course and of course we got to talk about the national film film registry this Ooh. is the films that they put all of the major groundbreaking films into and they added i believe at least three new films to the national film registry do you, do you know these Monica? i i saw i saw if my memory serves it's titanic goonies and Die Hard? Yes, those were the three big ones. I know they said there was more, but those are the three big ones. Do you think they believe they deserve to be in the National Film Registry? Well, I'm a big believer that Die Hard is the greatest Christmas film ever made. Amen. So. Amen. And I mean... <laughs> I know, Jingle All the Way is pretty friggin' good. <laughs> Come on. Sinbad? As a mailman? I have no clue what you're talking about. You've never seen Jingle All the Way? No. Add it to T-Max, T-Max, we got some Jingle All the Way the to introduce to this woman. But anyways, oh. yes, Die Hard is one of the great Christmas films, of course. Uh, have you seen Goonies? Of course I've seen Goonies. Okay, because Troy, Troy, Troy has made it very apparent on the show that he's not the biggest fan of the Goonies. What? <laughs> Goonies is amazing. There you go. Well, God. 
such a classic coming of age story. They save the town, all while being kind to a mentally disabled person. And this is the 80s. Yeah. This Come is on. groundbreaking shit here. Here we go. Yeah, Troy. So we're gonna. She's gonna have a little talking to. For yeah. You when you come back, and of course Titanic. Who can forget Titanic? Oh, if only we could. Two and a half hours of. I I remember Kate Winslet's boobs is the main thing that I remember from it. Is it really her boobs though, or just them focusing on the picture of her boobs and then like a quick like? Oh pan no, up? they they show them. They show. There is a long. It's a dude. I was old enough at this point <laughs> when boobs was very, and if I saw boobs, it was like burned into my mind. Did you discover yourself? The first time <laughs> I you might have. Titanic? I might have became a man during Titanic. I feel a lot of boys became men during Titanic. It was a PG thirteen film, and they showed a lot of boobs, so it was like. It seemed safe to go to, but it was not safe. <laughs> a little known fact, the movie Titanic is actually longer than it took for the Titanic to sink. Really? Okay. I think it's by like five minutes. It's a real minuscule difference. But yes, the movie Titanic is literally longer than it actually <laughs> took to sink the Titanic. So you could have watched this movie on the sinking of the Titanic and been like, oh, I got five minutes left. Yeah, and never known how it ended. I want to see if Jack dies. Ah! Yeah, pretty much. As you freeze to death in an Atlantic waste similar to the Midwest. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that was... But that's terrible. We uh, <laughs> our thoughts and prayers to the, the the people that died in the Titanic. It was 1914. <laughs> yeah, I think They're the people that survived it are probably dead now. But um, but yeah. Uh, speaking of films, of course, the nominations for the Golden Globes came out this past week too. And you're saying that like I should be surprised by a nomination. Well, no, I'm just saying that they came out. Are you at all interested in knowing what got nominated? I glanced over it, but I cannot remember. I remember Shape of Water was nominated for quite a few things. I thought I heard that, too. Well, I'm I'm usually just more interested in the films themselves, not so much the actors and actresses, because I can never really... Well, I think it got for best got nominated for best uh, screenplay. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I'll... Uh get through here and it's usually like golden globes has that weird thing where they like split it between drama and then comedy musical mm. they do that weird stuff but uh i don't think that's that weird because it's so often that like a comedy very rarely wins like best picture of the year at the oscars or anything like that yeah i think it's important to honor that there is more than just one type of movie and it doesn't have to be depressing as fuck no, yeah, I understand that, but I think it's still, like, even the Golden Globes nowadays is, like, they're kind of copping out on the whole comedy musical thing, too, where they still put in films where, like, they're going to get nominated at the Oscars. Like, especially, when, when I get to it, we'll talk about whether okay, or not okay, they should okay. be considered. But the Best Motion Picture Drama, mm -hmm. the nominations are Call Me By Your Name. I've heard of that Have one. not heard of that. Dunkirk. I've heard of that. I haven't seen it. Uh, the Post. No, which no. Uh, that's the Steven Spielberg film where they talk about the Pentagon Papers. Ugh. Me and uh, Troy talked about it a little bit on here. We've heard of it. Uh, the Shape of Water. 
Love to see it. And uh, the movie we'll be talking about tonight, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, I saw that it had a few got, on there as well. Yes, it got nominated for Best Motion Picture in a Drama. Does it deserve that a nomination? We'll find out later in the show. <laughs> Best Motion Picture Musical Comedy. Now, we'll go through these and see if they really do deserve the nomination of musical comedy. Because I think there's some in here, from what I've heard... They don't really deserve that kind of uh, categorization. Okay. Um, the Disaster Artist oh. could be comedy. Yeah. But I think they go into more dramatic elements of it. Well, I maybe. think anything that's impersonating Tommy Wiseau is going to have comedic that's, elements to it because that's it's true. Tommy Wiseau. That's true. Get Out. Uh, how, uh, really? Yeah. Get Out in the... I don't know. I think the only kind of uh, argument you can make is that it's kind of a satire. But be outside is of it that, I, I mean, don't isn't know. the horror genre in general kind of satirical in nature? I suppose, but I mean that's kind of a broad statement to be like it's a satire. Yeah, and thus it's a comedy. That's like being like, I don't know, somebody yeah, sneezed in it, so it's a drama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's sick drama. Exactly. Uh, the Greatest Showman, which is supposed well, to be that. To be it's go- well, it's going to be a musical. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's categor- categorizes it for that. Yeah. But uh, they talk about P.T. Barnum in it, which... <laughs> I... They're going to be nowhere near the actual. It's going to it's going to be nowhere near the actual. That's a show that I want to be on just so that way you and I can rattle off (laughs) angrily how awful, awful, awful P.T. Barnum was. So, yeah. So me and Molly Pop listened to this. uh, We listened to an episode of this uh, podcast I listen to regularly called The Dollop, where they go into the actual history of P.T. Barnum. And it's chock full of people buying and racism. <laughs> and whales I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I don't. Seven foot. Oh, I forgot about the whales. Tanks. <laughs> oh, the beluga died. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just buy another one. How does a whale inside of a building in a six foot tank? <laughs> in a tank of six feet, in like a huge tank that only holds six feet of water. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, I can't he's a good wait. Guy. To, he's a good guy. He's a really Great. good guy. P.T. Barnum. Look him up sometime. <laughs> uh, I, Tanya is I in there. I want to see that. I, I want to see that too, but I don't know if it'd be good for musical comedy because I heard they like talk about domestic abuse in it. Like, <laughs> like they show her like getting beat up by her boyfriend quite a bit in it, I've heard. Well, that also... Goes to like a few years ago, the movie The Waitress. I don't. What was The Waitress? She's like this woman who bakes pies yeah. in a restaurant and is being physically abused by her husband, but it like ended up being turned into this happy go lucky musical that won like a uh, friggin' Tony for, I don't know, best song or something. Yeah. And if you watch the movie, it is depressing as fuck. <laughs> like, it is awful. You read any reviews about this musical, it's this upbeat, loving affair where he just knocks her around a little bit. Gotta... It's <laughs> yeah. okay. She was speaking up a little too much. She, she needed to be put in her place, you know? I think it's in the South, too, and I think that's literally one of the arguments was oh that, like, God. she wasn't home to cook dinner because she was too busy making a pie. Come on. Like, yeah. So, I mean... He's within his rights to do it. I mean, literally, come on. 
literally the entire premise is that she puts her problems into pies and names the problem names the pies after her problem oh my gosh that's kind of does sound depressing it's but it's one of those things where it's like a dramedy where it has those slight comedic elements where it makes you kind of like huff a little bit but not full belly laugh gotcha musical version totally different well that's what i tiny will be like who knows and ladybird is also in for have you heard of ladybird I've heard of Lady Bird. I've heard that it's gotten good reviews. Yeah, I've heard it's gotten really good reviews, too. Isn't it about, like... It's supposed to be, like, a coming-of-age story of, like, this girl that lives, like, in a small town in California or something. I thought it was about, like, Eleanor Roosevelt, because wasn't that her nickname? Yeah, but this is <laughs> this is more or thing. less not the same okay. thing. <laughs> so not Ele- Eleanor Roosevelt. Got no, it, it is I've not. I've literally been going around this whole time thinking that it was... <laughs> literally about her building libraries that's what i was hoping for just based on the name because that's (laughs) all i knew about it (laughs) no it's not that i'm sorry to disappoint you sorry to disappoint you so there you go get on it hollywood make that eleanor roosevelt movie about building libraries i want to see that (laughs) she was a true inspiration as a woman gotcha got you uh best motion picture animated they got nominations mm. for that. I know you like your animations. I do. Uh, they have The Boss Baby. Have not seen that. Uh, the Breadwinner. Have not, have not seen that. I'm not, I don't even think I've ever heard of it. You always get that weird foreign French oh, animation. Oh, of course. Like some weird film about a cat that eats bread, maybe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, look, how, look how deep he is. Like the matchstick girl. <laughs> oh, God. That's so oh. depressing. Uh, Ferdinand, which I think came out this past week. No clue. You haven't heard? Um, it's about a bull. It's like a, about a warm-hearted bull. That sounds dumb. (laughs) It looks cute. I'll say it looks cute. All right. John Cena's the voice. Oh, wow. You sold me. Let's jump right on that. I love your genuine enthusiasm. Yes, you should. Of course, Coco is nominated. Ugh. Straight through the heart. And Loving Vincent. Do not know what Loving Vincent is. No clue. But, um, is that that um, one where it's comprised entirely of uh, Van Gogh paintings? Maybe. I think it might be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you'd probably be interested in that. I would be interested in that. You are correct on that. <laughs> um, Let's get into the TV then. Best television series series drama. I, I saw these, and I was for all of them with the exception of one. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, and I'll let you guess. We'll get into it then. <laughs> uh, the Crown, of course you're into. Uh, Game of Thrones. Obviously. The Handmaid's Tale. Stranger Things. And This Is Us. I'll let you go out on a limb to which one I am not for. Probably the one we don't watch on a regular <laughs> basis. This Is Us. Oh my god! It's... Emotional sabotage. Right. The I mean, I've only seen one episode. I think. Did you watch it with me too? When uh, we did the no, pilot. No, I just don't like the commercials. And you watched the pilot, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. It is such. Oh yeah. It is the definition of emotional sabotage. I feel. It looks. It reminds <laughs> me of Grey's Anatomy in those like first. <laughs> Or those later seasons where they've run out of people to kill and they're just like, and here's a person with cancer whom you're going to fall in love with and then is going to magically get better and then die in a car accident. 
Oh, Two days after it. you found out that you're having their baby, who also has cancer. The baby has cancer? The baby has cancer. No! Um, uh, there might be some background noise while we're recording, and uh, no worry to uh, T-Max, who might be listening to this in San Francisco, but your uh, dad took it upon himself to do a project while you're gone. So uh, if there's any noise in the background, don't worry, there's no intruders. It is just uh, your father is doing something while you're gone in your house. And we're not going to tell you what it is. We're not going to tell you what it is because we promised we wouldn't say. <laughs> Anyways, um, best television series comedy. We have Blackish. I have not seen that. Uh, I've heard good things. Uh, the Marvelous Miss Ma- Mrs. Maisel. I think that's on Amazon. Yeah. I have not seen it yet. Uh, Master of None. I kind of dig. Is that uh with Aziz Ansari? Yeah. Yeah, I dislike him. Really? And his voice, <laughs> and his face, and basically everything about him. All right. Well, you can take the uh, part of Troy in this where I call you a racist. <laughs> it's not racist. <laughs> it's not racist if your entire persona is just annoying twelve-year-old boy. <clears throat> okay, racism. Uh, Smilf. I don't know what. I think it's on... Single Mother, I'd Like to Fuck. Oh, okay, cool. I've seen a couple commercials for that <laughs> one, and I was very interested. Like, Okay. I think it's on Showtime? I don't know. I want to say it's on Showtime. But yeah, it's like single mother who's in her 20s, like yeah. had a kid in her teens, yeah. and still wants to do the whole, um, I want to be 20-something while also having like a six-year-old kid. Well, that'd be kind of interesting, actually. Yeah. It's got, got some bits in it that I've seen that looked pretty good. Really? Yeah. I heard it's I heard it's like getting pretty good reviews and stuff. Well, obviously got nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. And Will and Grace, the comeback of Will and Grace. Yeah. In the Have you seen anything of the new Will and Grace? I have not. I'm working my way up. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say this right now because I'm when me and I I came in last week to do the show and Sea uh, uh, Danger was watching uh, episode of the newer Will and Grace. Yeah. And uh, I was. Not digging it. Cody has seen it, and he says it's a lot warmer than the yeah. previous season. It seemed when uh when I watched the one that uh Chelsea was watching, it was uh it didn't feel like the old show. Like it felt like the Will Grace Jack and Karen comedy hour where they were just going between different backgrounds and then just like. Going off each other, like taking turns telling jokes to each other. Gotcha. And I was like, I'm not feeling this. Like, you're not really being put in situations. You're just acting snotty to stuff. Well, what do most 60-year-old actors do in their spare time? It's not like they're going to get up and go <laughs> 60? dance. 60? <laughs> look it up. I'm willing to bet. They're, they're at not least 60. in their late 50s. No, they're I'm not. It up. I'm maybe it 40s. <laughs> They're in their 40s, like, now. They're not in their 60s. They're not in their 60s. Well, there you go. Well, anyways, that's all the Golden Globe nominations. So, uh, there you go. We'll see who wins when the Golden Globes come to. Actually, I heard one of the big snubs that a lot of people are talking about from the Golden Globes is uh, the Big Sick didn't make it into... Any of the Golden Globes. It didn't. No. And a lot of people were kind of up in arms about that. And rightfully so. I thought it was really yeah. good. They're in their early 50s. 
Yes, so not 60s. Shut up. I will latch onto this. They are not in their 60s. Well, they're not in their 40s either. <laughs> Here we go. L- listen to us uh, trifle about this for the next. Oh, oh, know, how long? Oh, what? oh, what? Megan Maloney is 59. Oh, what? Suck it. Wow, she is really rocking that. She is. Man. You are a lucky man, Nick Offerman. Ron Swanson mm. is one lucky dude. Um, we brought up the the uh, topic every once in a while on the show, me and T-Max have, but have you all heard about the Detective Pikachu movie? I did hear about that. <laughs> I don't know much about it, uh, but I thought it was ridiculous, <laughs> just by the name. Well, me and uh, T-Max talked about it last week, that the it will be voiced by Ryan Reynolds, will be the voice of Detective Pikachu. So, we're going to have Deadpool Pikachu? Yes. Is that what's going on right now? Yes. I hope it's God. he's just as crass as, as Deadpool too. Just King hope so. <laughs> dropping F bombs all over the place. But anyways, we got word this past week that it will be coming out May tenth of twenty nineteen. Summer release for Detective Pikachu. I know what we're gonna know what we're gonna be doing. I can't wait. I wanna see what mysteries Pikachu's gonna solve. <laughs> So is this like Pikachu and Ash, or is this going to be an entirely different? I don't know. I, trainer. Well, Pikachu doesn't talk usually. I think this is going to be just a whole thing where it's a uh, human-like Pikachu. I hope to God that it's like Pikachu's misadventures in his Pokeball, where everyone <laughs> else just walks around saying their name and only he talks. Like do like some weird sentient thing where. Uh, the Pokemon, when they're inside their Pokeballs, are actually living normal lives. Yes. They get plucked out of society <laughs> to fight randomly in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and Pikachu just happens to be a detective inside the Pokeball. Yes. Like, whenever he's about to crack the case, he just gets... Yeah. <laughs> Damn, now I gotta fight a Squirtle! <laughs> Charge on, you son of a son bitch! Son of a bitch! I was this close! I was this close <laughs> to getting the Pokeball rapist! And now I gotta fight. Now I gotta fight a squirtle. <laughs> Ash, you don't understand. Lives are in danger. I can't be fighting Charizards every damn minute. Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, but that's how he hears it. Exactly. Pika, Pika. He's like, Pika, oh, Pika. Pikachu. And meanwhile, Pikachu. he's saying, "There's a rapist amongst us." <laughs> you fucking bitch, Ash. <laughs> Pika. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Molly Pop, I know we watched The Justice League together. I know you are a huge fan of it. Cannot hold back your praise for Justice League. It's a dam about to break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, with the uh, not-so-well-faring in uh, theaters, there's been a big shakeup at DC. A lot of people getting fired. I'm sure I did not look into all the names of the people that got fired, and I know you won't even care. I'm sure yeah. I'll, I will let Troy divulge into the main details of who all was canned because of it. All I know is that um, I did hear that Ben Affleck will be leaving as Batman. What? After Flashpoint, which is the Flash's film. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a nice change because <laughs> I swear to God, he's looking like a 
pig crammed into sausage wrapping in that goddamn outfit. <laughs> Just looking at him makes my nether regions dry up like the <laughs> Sahara Desert. Uh, oh. People thought that I was awful. a I was a harsh critic. My God. <laughs> So yeah, we'll see what uh, what DC holds well, in the future. Let's just think about this for a second. This is not something that Ben Affleck went out and put on himself. This had to be vetted by several people before they said, yeah, that's the outfit. And they chose something that makes him look like a bloated fish yeah. cow. <laughs> bloated fish cow? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he did. There were like some scenes where he looked like... Awful. Yeah. Or like... Very, flush. I don't even. Yeah, very. Fl- yeah, <laughs> flush is a very good word. I will take flush. Um, let's see. Uh, Star Wars is right around the corner. You know, it I'm is. excited. I know you are. I'm sure you are just preparing yourself for the nerdom that will take place. I remember the last time we went, and there were noises that you made that I had never heard before. Yeah, and it made me feel a little insulted. <laughs> Rogue, Rogue One definitely awoke some things in me when I first saw it. Some and then, things? And then look, with looking back on it, it still wasn't like my favorite film of the year, but I definitely I definitely nerded out in the middle of it. Ugh. But anyways, um, apparently their next uh, spinoff after the Han Solo solo film. It's Chewbacca, isn't it? Tell me it's Chewbacca. No, in fact, they're going to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're going to do a spinoff of him, and the production will start in 2019. Is it Ewan McGregor coming back for that? I thought I heard that Ewan McGregor will be back for that. I think I did, that he'll be playing old Kenobi now? Yeah, like, they're going to, I think they're going to tackle, like, the years between uh, the three and four when he's, like, stuck on Tatooine, which would be cool. Like, I, I would like to see, like, a story where it just takes place on one planet, where it's, like, a really small... You want a bottle episode? I want a I want a Star Wars bottle episode. I want to see I want to see like their one-offs like doing something different. Like they can do like the big sweeping stories for like the Star Wars altogether. But I like some some like very personal small stories with like their one-offs. So character development and vetting and flushing of a character as opposed to just big action set pieces. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like Rogue One. They could have done a little more with characters in that, but I think it was a different story than what they could do with, like, a sweeping Star Wars story, like, to appeal but to everyone. Disney's not going to do that. They're a money-making conglomerate. Oh, There's I know. no way they're going to actually go for something personal and when they can be flashy and make money. Oh, I know. I know that, but I think they're going to do that with... Especially, like, the Star Wars series. Oh, yeah. But with, like, their one-offs, I think that can be where they can experiment a little more and try and see what really gets people to come out. Disney likes to play it safe. Oh, I know. Believe me, me and T-Max have had this discussion quite a bit on the show. All right. (laughs) So, uh, we'll see. Uh, Molly, are you one of the people out there that is watching... The Christmas Prince on Netflix. Oh, you know it. I just live and dream for <laughs> anything that has to do with Christmas or happiness or jolly. Uh, well, uh, of course, Netflix 
is uh, reminding all of us how they keep a close eye on their algorithm. And uh, I guess there's been 53 people that have watched The Christmas Prince every day since it's come out for the past 18 days. And uh, this is so apparent that Netflix actually tweeted it out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Their, Their tweet, and I quote, To the 53 people who've watched A Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days... Who hurt you? <laughs> it's, it's probably kids. Let's be honest. Or probably just like middle-aged women that are like, oh, he's so dreamy. That uh, That's equally possible. I wish I could be a princess. Yeah, we all do dream that sometimes. You it's go, like, girl. It's like those middle-aged women that like the fantasy but are not edgy enough to go see Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> the hallmark uh oh yeah of course the hallmark effect of course whatever. maybe like the hallmark channel was like out of commission for 18 days so they were just kept non-stop watching a christmas prince it could be it's entirely <laughs> possible or they tacked it on between commercial breaks exactly yeah they were like oh commercial and then they would watch five minutes of a christmas prince yeah exactly um uh stranger things Ugh. Talked about Stranger Things 2 on this show. Mm. Give it some pretty rave reviews. So good. Uh, of course, that leads to the discussion of what about Stranger Things Season 3? Of course it's coming out. I really gotta come don't out. want it to, though. Really? You thought, thought it was... You thought season two was a good ending? I They're doing so good on keeping it wrapped up. I just don't know where they're going to go from there. And I'm just afraid that they're going to draw it out and make it awful like everything well, that's else. What, that's what everything does. That's 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 just, capitalism at its finest. I just want something to Squeeze it end. till it dies. That's how you do it. That's how you make the money. But anyway, Stranger Things season three. Uh... Some news came out about it that it won't be ready until 2019. So they're going to take some time with it and do it right, hopefully. Hopefully. Or they're just waiting for the kids to grow up. They're, yeah. Do like an it it scenario. <laughs> they might. They might, yeah. Get into high school and everything's fine and then just out of nowhere drop a demi dog in the hallway. That would be... Yeah, I'd like to... That would be cool to like, see them draw it out to high school and like see them just like getting these like all-out battles. Yes, especially <laughs> if they've all completely separated because, let's be honest, they're, what, 13, 14-year-old yeah, boys? Yeah, I think they were like, just getting into middle school in like, yeah. the last season. One of them's gonna discover girls One of them's gonna, and yeah. drugs or something. <laughs> yeah, let's just get Both. all kinds of just all effed up. Yes. Um, Molly Pop that Frozen short. Oh, God. You're really going to make me talk about this. <laughs> well, I'm just laying it out there because there might be people that are curious still that to are... see this 20-minute borderline <sighs> disaster. And but you're in luck if you want to see it because it's been taken out of theaters. They have stopped putting it before Coco. Thank God. We were lucky enough to go see it <laughs> while it was still in theaters. And we missed the first like five to seven minutes. I think I, we got in like pretty close to win it because it was going on for a while even when we showed up. I don't up. think so. I think we at least missed the first five minutes. We missed like the first part of the first musical number where what's his name Kristoff yeah Kristoff was talking about some weird moss god 
Yeah, like, I don't even. <laughs> why was he <laughs> no, licking it? Too, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was licking some rock. It was dumb. But uh, We're if you are to discover our tradition, Ugh, don't even remind me. It's Ugh. so bad. But anyways, if you are at all interested in seeing this gross travesty of what's considered entertainment, you're in luck. Because uh, when this comes out tomorrow, that night, tomorrow night, as we record, so Thursday, <laughs> Thursday this coming evening. Thursday, Thursday <laughs> evening, it will be on ABC. Ooh. So get your Yay. DVRs ready. I think it's at ABC at se- 7? You know, that's where it 8 PM. should have been featured, not at the beginning of Coco. Well, that was where when it was supposed to actually officially come out. I think no, maybe ABC Family, because it says it's part of its 25 Days of Christmas. Yeah, because now there's ABC Family, and then there's Freeform. Yeah. Maybe it's Freeform. Anyways, Freeform, ABC Family, something like that. During its 25 Days of Christmas at 8 p.m., you can see the frozen Olaf's christmas bullshit I don't know. sabotage <laughs> sabotage but yeah it's bad it's real bad yeah olaf's frozen adventure is what it's called that's what it's called yeah it's Ugh. really bad but no that's where it was originally supposed to air was on abc family or Freeform on this date but i guess executives thought that coco wouldn't uh appease enough people like they thought it would be it would only like what market to more people of like of mexico market to mexicans pretty much yeah saying disney's racist well they probably (laughs) a little are (laughs) i mean kids go and see giant yellow tic tacs that's true why would you think that someone of a different race is gonna matter to them kids don't care they don't see color Adults don't think like kids. They think like adults. And they're going to be like, oh, these kids are going to see these Mexicans and they're not going to, they're going to be weirded out. Like, no, they're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. Go see Coco. It's adorable. It's, it's amazing. It'll make Especially without the stupid Frozen short. Oh my God. Uh, I think we brought this up a little bit on like a car ride, but uh, Star Trek and the whole Tarantino Oh, my God. Uh, I guess they made uh, talks that it will be an R film if it ever does happen. Oh, it's going to happen. It's happening. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, they even has gone as far as Patrick Stewart saying that he would come back as Jean-Luc Picard if he were asked to be a part of it in this Quentin Tarantino film about Star Trek fucking hope so i know i would be i'm hella curious now especially if patrick stewart's involved oh it'd be so it would be i just want to hear patrick stewart say a long quentin tarantino (laughs) monologue (laughs) i mean i could just die happy with that that would be yeah i would love to see patrick stewart work with tarantino be so amazing especially if it had like gross sexual overtones Because, I mean, that's just that's just every woman's dream there, right? <laughs> Patrick Stewart just getting all sexy with it? There, He has, like, six mems about sex. <laughs> he does. It's hilarious. And they're all so funny. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh... Yeah, that'd be... It'd be interesting. I would love to see it. Just to see... 
I want to see it just to see Tarantino do something that's space related and do something with Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Just those both. two things alone both. would be amazing. Yes. It doesn't have to be Star Trek. But I know. the fact that it is Star Trek. You're against the Star Trek version. I'm saying bring it on. All right. Well, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Uh back on the Star Wars train, Lucasfilm saying that they would not mind having the director of Thor Ragnarok, Taika Waititi, direct a Star Wars film in the in the uh, future. Huh. How do you think, how do you see that faring? I, the same way that it fared in Thor Ragnarok, being <laughs> visually appeasing, but having no actual substance. Yeah. I could, yeah, I don't see Taika Waititi being a good, like, franchise director. Like, I think he's really good when he does his own thing. Yeah. Like, whatever's going on there, he obviously is disputing with somebody because there were so many, like, allusions to, like, really cool things, but no delivery. Yeah. And so many stories that I wanted to hear that never got told and just... Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think Taika Waititi needs to just do his own thing because uh, what we do in the shadows is amazing. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People was pretty good. I think I've seen Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. Like, they're both pretty good. And yeah. I think I think just given all-out creative freedom on what he does, I think that's just where he needs to stay. Yeah. He's a good director. There was definitely some good moments in Thor Ragnarok that I liked. I just I don't see him being a a, just, a franchise. Yeah, he needs director. to stay away from executive heads or anyone that's going to manipulate his vision because he either takes direction too well or just lets other people control too much because it just it ended up being cool yet forgettable. Yeah. Oh, no. I uh wholeheartedly agree. But uh We'll see. We'll see down the long run. All right. If uh, he ends up doing a Star Wars film, but that's all. That's all my news, which brings us into a segment that we always say, you know, it's done. I have no clue. <laughs> Do you realize that I've never listened? Well, I think I've listened to the show once. In secret. Maybe. Oh, no. I don't know. Was I thought I, talking- I listened to it once with you. Oh, okay. With me, okay, good. Yeah. So you haven't heard of the times I talk shit about you? You gotta <laughs> do it somewhere. <clears throat> no, you know what's done is, of course, the segment that me and T-Max always bring up where we talk about the new trailers that came out this past week. So you know I'm gonna be completely oh, useless in this. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. But there, there was some interesting stuff out there that I think uh, we could touch on and maybe get your thoughts on... Based on what I pulled from the plot, I can if you, give you find interesting, ten minutes of why I think trailers are awful. <laughs> well, we, we'll save that for another day. All right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the uh, trailer for the new Natalie Portman film Annihilation came out. That okay. made new. They came with like a little more of a plot. Like it seems like they put a little more out about what the plot is supposed to be about. It technically. Uh, Natalie Portman is married to kind of like an army ranger type person who's put into this, this kind of like weird portal type thing called the Shimmer, which, uh, 
he comes out and he's in a coma and they don't know why. And everyone that everything that they send in there, whether it be a drone or some kind of army ranger party to kind of explore it, like never comes back. He's the only person to ever come back. And when he came back, he like immediately fell into a coma. Have they tried putting a camera on a string and then reeling it back real fast? (laughs) (laughs) You should be that. Yeah, go. You should, you should be part of this world then. Let's try it. Solved it. There you go. Problem solved. (laughs) But anyways, so Natalie Portman is is put on to be a party to uh, deal or to try and figure out what's up with this whole shimmer dimension type thing. And they slowly come to the conclusion that <clears throat> it's causing like whatever species that this portal gets caught in that gets caught in this portal. Like they kind of like come together and form like animal hybrids of each other. Okay. So you get you can get like alligator fish shark type things that come together drone army men which that's you know just the army's way well yeah that that could also be like a like they kind of showed like small glimpses of like the things that pop up in this and they're like kind of super messed up looking but any but regardless it looks interesting it's kind of got like a is what does natalie portman fuse with I don't know. We'll see. She could All be right. fusing with something. All right. Look out. But uh, no, I'm interested. It's kind of it's got like a like a kind of an arrival feel to it. Okay. Okay. My, like minus like I don't think it's gonna be as smart as Arrival, but it's gonna be more action based for sure. Well, that's just not Arrival then. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's got like, like that arrival, feel of like. But it doesn't have any of the elements of. It's arrival. got that feel of like. There's this thing we can't explain. Let's examine it. And they still have like an interesting premise involved with it where they still have to try and figure out like why it's doing what it's doing. Okay. All right. So Talk that's, me into it. All right. That's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see it. I'm, 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 I'm up for seeing it when it comes out. All right. Uh, they also came up with a new trailer this past week for Ready Player One. Are you at all interested for this? Uh, you know I am, so I stopped watching the trailers. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but they kind of got more into the into the plot for this. Mm-hmm. It seems, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Ben Mendelsohn is going to be the villain in this, which I'm looking forward to. Love me some Bendy Mendy. Who is that? Uh, he played uh, the main villain in Rogue One. Okay. But Snoke? No. Uh, or one of those Krennic? Kept- Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. He was Commander Krennic from Rogue gotcha. One, but uh, no, I always I loved the stuff that he's in. He was in Bloodline, which I don't think you saw. Nope. When I that was like one of the TV shows I watched by myself. Gotcha. <laughs> in bed weirdly, uh, but no, it looks good. I've been hearing like plenty of people are like doing that dumb stuff where they're like pausing it. And, like, trying to, like, pull out oh, Easter eggs and God. stuff. Yeah. And I guess there's a whole bunch of them. A lot of, like, video game ones, too. Like, a lot this of Street is a, Fighter. This is a video game-based movie. I yeah. I think there'd be a lot of video game Easter eggs. Oh, yeah. But it's a lot of pop, cult- pop culture references and stuff, too. And uh, No. Like, they even have the, the Back to the Future car in it, which I'm... All four. So it's literally an episode of Futurama where they go into the Evernet. Yeah, pretty much. Well, do you know the 
premise of Ready Player One. Yeah, they live these alternative video game lives where they can create yeah. anything, but instead they just create pop culture things from the 20th century for some reason. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. It's like called the Oasis, and it's just like, pretty much the world is kind of like stacked on itself. Like, it's kind of like a garbage dump, so people kind of escape that by going into this virtual reality world called the Oasis, and they kind of build like stuff that they love from like the 20th century hasn't this already been done like three separate times isn't there like a black mirror episode like this <laughs> maybe and then there's that one where you can like sell yourself to the video game and be played by other people what is that i don't there was a video game episode of black mirror in the last season the one where it was supposed to be the one that like horrifies you yeah and then they found out that like only like not like a second went by and like he died. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember what that movie is called. Because I swear to God, it's already been done. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. But uh, anyways, uh, I'll just go into the other big one. I think the one that you saw because we watched it was uh, Jurassic World uh, Lost Kingdom. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway. speaking of Black Mirror, <clears throat> I like started watching this in bed, and you were like, "More Black Mirror stuff?" And I'm like, "No, it's Jurassic World." Well, that song is so like I yeah. never heard it. I know before Black There's Mirror, and now it's so, everywhere. I know there was something else we watched where they had that exact same song in it, and I have no idea. I can't remember where it came from, but yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. Now. I have no idea how it got so popular so fast. Especially if it's been out for so long. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Jurassic World Lost Kingdom. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of... It's a weird premise. I was barely watching it when okay. you put it on. Well, like, and all I remember is that Chris Pratt just sounded like an Amatom. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's, from what I gathered, and I think even Troy brought this up last week, uh, like, it's basically about some catastrophic event <clears throat> is happening on the island, like, it's a volcano exploding or something, Okay. and they have to save the dinosaurs. No. Yeah, like, Let why would die. you- die. Yeah, like, the, the whole premise <laughs> of, like, Jurassic Park was that they wanted them to die because they were, like, an abomination to humanity. It- and now they're like going three sick. They're going like one eighty, being like, now we gotta save them. Oh my god, <laughs> nature is trying to tell you something. It didn't work. Let Stop it die. Stop it. Let it die. This is the. This will be the third time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for how many times they've killed people in general? Just let it die. Just let it die. Let it die. Just let it die. But yeah, that's all. Uh, that is all the trailers from this past week. But. In while still in Troy's absence, I still have to uh, touch on our review review tournament of random movies, which I, you'll be a fan of because you haven't been paying attention to the show at all. Oh, but you had you've had heard me talk about me putting it together. Yes, I have heard, and I think every time you post something on Facebook, I immediately just shake my head and go, ugh. <laughs> Like, all of your choices are so bad. <laughs> they're just so bad. But they're random. They're so bad. 
There's some good ones on there. None. You, you just don't Nothing. get it. You just don't get it. The Green Hornet. <laughs> that was the first one. Ugh. But uh, anyways, our uh, our uh, matchup from last week was uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and UHF, Weird Al Yankovic film. There's a Weird Al Yankovic film? Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic like starred in a film oh called UHF. God. And uh, just before I even give the answer, which one would you prefer? Well, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but where you just don't pay attention to the entirety of the movie that doesn't contain Alan Rickman. (laughs) Because I firmly believe that the entirety of Prince of Thieves should just be told from Alan Rickman's point of view. He literally looks like he took the movie for like a paycheck and then just decided to fuck with the director the whole time. (laughs) If you watch him in the background, he's fucking amazing. He's oh just doing god. dumbass shit. Oh my god. I it's to... so fantastic. Oh, I know. I thought I read something when I was like looking up facts on whether or not I'd have to do cuz I'm going to do like a whole trivia game for like the ones that are that are that are surviving for like the quarterfinals. But I read somewhere like he ad-libbed a line where he talked about how he was going to cancel Christmas. <laughs> I'm fr- if I remember correctly, he does like weird look into the camera stuff, like just randomly. <laughs> like they'll be in the scene and he'll be in the background and he'll just like look into the camera like he knows something. Oh my gosh. Now I really want to watch Robin and Prince of Thieves. But it, it didn't win though. God. Unfortunately. UHF just inched out. Like, it was, like, our closest match we've had so far. Like, it was, like, 50-50 for the longest time. Oh, my God. It was insane. But UHF inched out. But I'm going to add Robert Prince of Thieves to, like, something we might review in the future. Because now I'm curious. I want to see these Alan Rickman scenes now. It's it's so bad. You could literally just block out the entire rest of the movie and just watch Alan Rickman. I am so... Oh, God. Now I really want to watch Robin Prince of Thieves. Because he's such a good actor. And everyone else is just... I think he's the only one that actually speaks with a British accent in it. I think he does too. In yeah, England. Because I think I read some. Because I was cause, like, again, I was reading up facts to try and figure out like possible trivia fact, uh, trivia questions, and I guess they did a thing where they had uh, Kevin Costner work with a dialect coach for like a month on end, and even by the end of that, he still sounded nothing like anyone british who oh just god. had him talk regularly oh my god it's just... <laughs> i want to see this again so bad now we need to just have a party and make fun of it oh, because god. it is atrocious we're gonna we're definitely adding robin and prince of thieves to the docket in some form because i am hearing way too much good stuff about this now you should but uh we have one last match in the first round of the review review tournament of random movies and luckily for you because i'll I'll still have you guess them okay but luckily for you these are both in the 2000s so you should be have an idea of what they are okay uh of course every monday i put out like a clue of what it could be on twitter not on Twitter. I know, I, I know. But uh, I'll uh, bring up what my clue was from this past week to okay. kind of inch you in the right direction and uh, see if you can figure it out from that. And then I'll also give you the taglines 
to see to really help you out. Oh my god, I didn't know there was gonna be tests. It's not tests. Ugh. All right, we'll just. It's You're worse it's than fun. School. It's supposed to be fun. We're I'm having, not having fun. We're having fun. <laughs> there we go. The last, the last first round match is two films that are connected to books. Okay. The one is a real hothead from comic books. Okay. And the other is the only animated film in the tournament that is chock full of storybook characters. Storybook characters? Yes. So, Shrek. Well, we'll see. Hold on. Let me give you the taglines. The first one, the hothead from comics, Okay. is uh, long ago he made a deal to save someone he loved. That's the tagline. That's literally the tagline? Yeah, there's some vague taglines. And then the second one is the greatest fairy tale never told. The second one's clearly Shrek. It is Shrek. The All second right. one is Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. The 2001. No, no, I want to get the. I want to guess the other one too. All right, from two thousand. The 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 first one's from two thousand seven. Okay, Hellboy. No. Oh. Do you want to give another guess? Well, the only other thing, other one that I can think of as hot-headed and comic book would be like Fantastic Four. No, no. It is the Nicolas Cage classic Ghost Rider. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So we got Ghost Rider and Shrek battling head-to-head for our last first round matchup. Well, I know which one I'd pick. Which one? Shrek? Not Ghost Rider. Okay, there you go. Not Ghost Rider, so... Her her hat is in for Shrek. I'm gonna keep mine close to the vest. I wanna see how this one plays out. I'm kinda of, actually before we talked about how amazing Robin Hood Prince of Thieves was, because now I'm kind of regretting my vote for it. I want a UHF to go through in this in the last round. I really wanna see I feel like this weird Al Yankovic film could be like a complete disaster or like so bad it's good. And I kind of want to see it. Michael Richards is in it. Like Kramer from Seinfeld. Oh. <laughs> like before Seinfeld. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know. Just Weird Al Yankovic is just... just... You're not a Weird Al Yankovic fan? I was right kind of on that like cusp where he was like cool and then became like not cool. Oh, man. You know I was, what I mean? No, oh, I was on that cusp where like he was... Life. Like, pretty much not cool, but I still loved him. Like, I bought the album Running With Scissors. Dude, I loved Weird Al Yankovic when I was, like, you in middle would. school. You would. It was so good. You and would. then all the kids, like, polka covers he would do of pop songs. <laughs> oh, my God. They were so good. So oh, good. I know how people feel whenever I bring up postmodern jukebox. <laughs> like, but guys, it's jazz version of pop songs. Whatever. Q-I roll. <laughs> Whatever you but say, Molly. Now the review, review, tournament of random movies is completely flushed out. We have every movie on the board. Do you want me to give you all the movies so far? Sure. Give so me the you movies. Can, so we have Richie Rich, uh, okay. Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Part 6? Yeah. Like I said, that's random. I'm just oh, going random with this. Is... Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay. Black Dynamite. Never even heard of that. Oh, gosh. You need to see Black Dynamite. Apparently, I'm going to. Grumpier Old Men, the sequel to Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> uh, it, from this year, 2017. And, of course, of course, UHF. 
So why aren't you doing the older it? Didn't you guys already review it? No, it, we didn't review it. Oh. No, we never got around to reviewing it. Troy hasn't even seen it yet. What? Nope. Has Ugh. not seen it yet. All right. All right. Screw it. We're going to review it now. Screw it. We're not going <laughs> to. Do both. We'll do both. Do a double feature. We'll do a twofer. We're doing a twofer now. It's been decided. But no, there you go. All the movies are out on the board for review. Review Tournament of Random Movies. We'll see what wins and what we end up reviewing at the end of the tournament. All right. It's going to be one of those films that we brought up tonight. Which one Which one are you hoping for out of all of them so far? None. All right. There you go. Sterling, sterling critique by Molly Pop. It happens. For the <laughs> random movies. Harsh. But uh, enough of that. We okay. got reviewing to do. All we right. got a big old review to talk about. Lay it on me. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Released November 10th, 2017. That long ago? Limited really? release. It was limited release. Gotcha. And then uh, they got more theaters from there. Uh, it was made on a budget of $12 million. Really? Yep. I can kind of see that, but also they did it very well for it only being like $12 million. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a smaller film. Yeah. Uh, it is well done. It's right now, as of December 10th, it has brought in a total of $18 million. So, so it's already made its budget. Yeah, made some profit. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has scored it at a 93%. It's pretty high for them, isn't it? Uh, IMDb, yeah, it's pretty high. IMDb has it at 8.5 out of 10. And, of course, uh, T-Max always throws in some random uh, some random review site. ChristianMovies.com. ChristianMovies.com. Oh, I Christian should have done it. Actually, I used a site called Gone with the Twins, <laughs> which is just two twins that review movies together. <laughs> And they scored it at a 9 out of 10. Okay. So, some pretty sterling reviews so far. Yeah, that's pretty for, good. For uh, three, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pull up the IMDb to try and find out who the director is. Because, yeah, I remember he's pretty, I don't he's, he's not super well known, but Martin McDonough. That's the director. He's done In Bruges. He did Seven Psychopaths. Okay. So you can remember what he's and done, but not his name. Yeah. No. Poor yeah. shame. I know. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. But you said you saw Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, I really like Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, it's good. I like it, too. I like it, too. This is his... Uh, I think this is his first film that he's done without uh, Colin Farrell as the lead, as the lead even. Oh. Because Colin Farrell is the lead in Seven Psychopaths and in In Bruges, which you need to see In Bruges. All We're right. going to watch okay. In Bruges. Okay, fine. We're watching In Bruges. Um, Get off me, man. <laughs> Get off me, man. Uh... So, since Troy always puts this on me, Molly Pop, what is the synopsis? The brief synopsis without giving anything away. Oh, my God. To three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So, I don't remember what her name is. And Mildred. I pulled this up. All right. So, there's this woman, Mildred, whose daughter was killed in a most gruesome way. Yes. And nothing is done about her murder, so she launches a, I don't know what you'd call it, a campaign against the mayor? Or not the mayor. The sheriff. The sheriff. Yeah. To try and help figure out who murdered her daughter. 
pretty much. Well, it's not even much of a campaign. She just buys these three billboards. Like, it's even not even I a... I don't know. It's kind of a campaign. Kind of. Because she, she gets the billboards, and then she goes on TV for it. That's true. It, it, it gets her a lot of publicity, and then she's able to kind of spread the word of it. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think she has a pretty thought-out plan at the beginning. I think it kind of goes off the rails there in the second act. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get more into that when we talk about spoilers. But, uh, but yeah, no, good synopsis. Probably better than mine usually are. I'm sure T-Max can abide to that. Son of a bitch. But, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, that's pretty much what it is. That uh, Frances McDormand plays Mildred, who, uh, yeah, buys these three billboards on, like, it's not even, like, a well- used road it's like a back road even i think it's literally just the road to her house yeah and then she sees these three bi- three billboards one day and then she goes to uh like the advertising this advertising firm that owns it in town which just happens to be right across the street from the police department well if you notice on the bottom there's it says uh ebbing advertising which yeah. actually is like a was a fairly known, well-known advertising company like 50 years ago. Oh, really? So that's why the, it, that's why it's right next door because that would have been their head office because it stemmed from Ebbing, Missouri. Oh wow! There you go. The more you know. <laughs> but no, yeah. So uh, yeah, so just uh, she goes there. She pays off like the first month's rent on these billboards and then she plans to have them for like a year yep and like uh i'm trying to remember what all three of them say but i remember it's like something about raped while dying yeah that's right raped no while... arrests yeah what gives chief willoughby something yeah like, that. like it's like in that order like that's what the three billboards say so it causes raped. like a huge while dying. Yeah, that's one of the yeah. She <laughs> bought a billboard. Yeah, she re- she buys a billboard that says "raped while dying." That's all it says on the billboard. <clears throat> but yeah, so yeah, she plays like this mom whose daughter was raped and murdered one night, and out of grief buys these billboards. But yeah, that's like, but that's like the like the small. That's why I love movies like this. It's like I think. uh in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths are a lot kind of like this too, where it's a very small premise and then it erupts into this big thing at the very end where... I, I'd definitely say it erupts. Yeah, like it, all all hell breaks loose from there. Like that just kind of stems into something else that stems into something else. Like I got like a, a pretty big like Fargo feel from this. Like... Like the movie Fargo, like you especially. You don't realize I've never seen Fargo, right? I've tried to we've show tried, you Fargo. I've tried to watch it three times. I fall asleep every time. Yeah, but it's it's still good. I can't good. make it past the pool scene, Joel. I just can't. <laughs> I've tried. But no, like even uh, not even even despite the fact that Frances McDormand is in this also, which she plays someone completely different than how she plays in Fargo. But no, it's got that same feel where it's uh, it's some kind. It's a it's a well thought out plan by the main character that just e- that falls into just chaos at the like near the end, <clears throat> and I, I love movies like that, especially especially with this. But I feel like 
where Martin McDonough goes as opposed to the Coen Brothers, I feel like Coen Brothers make more of a comedy with dramatic elements, and this one feels more like a drama with comedic elements. Um, see, that's where I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna be arguing with you. Okay. You want me to argue now? <laughs> well, uh, let's kind of give like our overall opinion of the movie and then we'll go more into spoilers so what was your overall feel of the movie altogether without spoiling anything big honestly i do not know yet really i'm i'm looking to vet it out right here and right now oh shit here we go i i have such mixed emotions upon this film which i'm very excited about and i i haven't even tried to resolve them yet because i was saving it for the show so i have some thoughts and some feels very nice. Well, we'll get into those. I'll I'll say this. <clears throat> um, when I originally saw it, of course, I didn't really know how to take it because I like to kind of digest it as uh, when I'm leaving. And the more I digest it, the more I liked it. And then thinking about it more, it kind of leveled out to a little lower than how I felt when I originally like had it all laid out. So it got up there and then it kind of waned a little bit more when I thought about other stuff. So but I think it still came out it still's it still's good. I definitely suggest going to check it out. So what you're saying is I'm going to nitpick it to death for you. M- maybe. Probably. You might you might make me just you might like bury me to a point where I just end up just hating it all together, who knows. But there's I think all in all, it's a really good film, and it's definitely full of twists and turns, but there's a few elements in there that kind of rub me the wrong way. I I would agree. I definitely have a a dissonance about this movie and kind of the the actual events of the movie versus the tone of the movie. Yeah. I will say that I do like the characters they portray in this, though. Like, they're super complicated. Yes, very, I, I would agree with that. Very, very complicated in some in some aspects. Like even Sam Rockwell's character is all over the place in this. Who's? Uh, he plays uh Dixon. Dixon? Yeah. Dixon is like all over the place. Yeah. And but I I like that though because you, the first time you see him, you think he's gonna be the comedic relief, but then there's like some scenes where like he's like borderline scary. Well, I didn't think he was going to be the comedic relief. When I first saw him, I pegged him as the murderer. Really? Yes, very much so. And we'll we'll get more to that when we actually talk I, about spoilers and stuff. I, I should preface all of this by saying that I did spend quite a while in Missouri. <laughs> thanks to uh, some previous decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... I, is it pretty spot on to what Missouri's like? I felt very spot on. Really? Yes. Because it, it seems like, especially how it takes like the small town life, it seems very, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, cavalier? Not cavalier, but like doom and gloom. Like everyone's kind of like... Uh, like they don't really uh no one's happy go lucky like they're always looking for things to nitpick on people about you live in a small <clears throat> town yeah that's true but i feel like there's people are a lot more even 
when people nitpick in, in this town, like they're not as like I feel <clears throat> in this movie, people are more likely to like be in your face about what you're doing wrong. And like here, they're more behind your back. <laughs> well Okay. Let look at it this way. There are two big movies shows that have come out based in Missouri in the last year. Yeah. This and Ozark. Yeah. In either of those movies, have the people of Missouri been portrayed as happy-go-lucky oh, kind people? Oh, God, yeah. People? No, they seem like <laughs> dead, like deadly hicks. <laughs> Missouri has, like, one of the widest wage gaps yeah we're either dirt poor or filthy rich in missouri there's a lot of animosity there oh yeah like it's huge when we drove through missouri it was there were multi-million dollar mansions a block and a half away from a trailer full with 16 kids and 40 dogs (laughs) it was terrifying jesus yeah i can definitely see that being some animosity there but no, yeah, like, I don't know. It just seemed like people were way more in your face than I'm used to, like, in in this, in our small town. Like, did, did you get that feeling it's from being in Missouri? It's white trash. I know it's white trash, but even, like, the people that really we weren't white trash. white trash. That's true. I don't know. Yeah, but, okay, yeah, I can see that then. I don't know. I felt that it was... So ridiculously, like, spot on for that, like, white trash, something bad has happened, alcoholic mother that wants, well, I, go to the spoiler free, <laughs> but one spoilers. No, I'll, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just end it with the, the, just the characters alone are definitely worth checking out. Like, even like how people's character arcs kind of develop. It's really interesting to see, like, what plays out with them. And I'm really... Just to to not spoil it for people that want to see it, definitely check it out for the characters. I would totally check it out altogether. Check it out. Check it out. But now we're gonna spoil the shit out of it. Oh my god. So uh, needles. So uh after the billboards are all established and stuff, you find out about the chief that uh like first of all, like <laughs> even before we even find out he has cancer, well well, spoiler he has cancer. Like <laughs> You still kind of feel for him. Yeah. Like, because it's like, it's not like he's not trying to find out who killed. But no, at the very beginning, it is portrayed very much as like corrupt cops in the South who are against black people. Yeah. Well, they bring that up. People of color just in general any race. I don't know. It's not white. They bring that up, but I didn't get the feeling that they were oh, against. I got that feeling. You got the feeling? I got the feeling. I was like, oh, great. That's why I said I thought the cops did it. Yeah. I thought Dixon did it, and I thought uh, Willoughby was covering it up. Yeah, I can kind of see that, but I didn't get the feeling that Willoughby was like a... Like, I can see Willoughby covering something up for Dixon, because you, you definitely get that feeling like Willoughby is like trying to take Dixon under his wing. Like, he yeah. knows that... Dixon is kind of like this guy that's kind of like off the like off the rail and it's like it's hard to kind of get mm. like he's definitely like a recluse. I I was definitely feeling the boss I accidentally killed a prostitute coming on. Yeah. Like and he covers it up, finds out that it's someone's daughter, but he's in too deep. That that's mm. totally the tone 
that's where I thought it was going to go. Yeah. Like, I kind of wanted to see them dive more into uh, Willoughby and Dixon's relationship. Because they don't really... Well, we'll, well, spoiler, Woody Harrelson's really not in it this that long. I think he's like in it only like a half hour. <laughs> uh, maybe a little... like the first act. Yeah, maybe a little less than the first hour. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for, for, for when he's in there, like, they don't really dive too much into him and Dixon's relationship. Like, they have, like, instances here and there where they're kind of, it's a really professional relationship. <clears throat> but how Dixon acts, I, I feel like it was a lot more personal than that, especially after he dies. Yeah. Well, I always kind of thought that he must have covered for him in the whole torture business. <laughs> yeah. Where he gets accused of, where Dixon gets accused of torturing a person of color. Yeah. and But they don't even really say if that's true or not. Like, that's probably true, but they never really, if anything, it could be like a rumor. Because, you know, this is a small town. Yeah. Like, definitely things could go out of uh could get out of hand like it could be like something is it could have been like a story where like yeah maybe it was someone of color and maybe you got a little too aggressive with it and then that turns into dixon hates black people and now he's torturing them uh, but kind of his <clears throat> treatment towards people i kind of see him as that power hungry cop that gets bored and gets yeah. excited when he pulls over a black couple <laughs> but not even black in general like People in general, he gets really frustrated with. That is true. Like, especially, Jesus Christ, how he treats that fucking advertising kid. Red. Yeah, he throws him out a fucking second story window. Oh, God. <laughs> Getting ahead of yourself in the story. But, uh. <clears throat> but no, like, I, I enjoyed. Uh, that's why I really like Sam Rockwell's portrayal of it, where, like, he's so. He's just complicated. Like, I don't. He's not anyone that I want to hang out with, but you can kind of sympathize with him in certain ways. Like, he definitely doesn't come from, like, a really... Like, I, I got more of the feeling that his mom was, like, the racist that was, like, putting this stuff on him. And he be. was kind of absorbing it. Because his mom was a deadbeat asshole. Oh, yeah. Played by oh, Max, Charlie, mom. Max Mom. Max <laughs> Mom. Pretty much. Played by Max Mom. And But, yeah, I got more of the idea that... Because he's definitely, like, a mama's boy. Like, I don't think... He really has the capacity to really think for himself. I would agree. And I think that's why he's so torn up when Willoughby dies because Willoughby was that, Willoughby was that, that strong male moral uh, compass. Ro yeah, yeah, moral compass exactly. Yeah. That kind of led him in the right direction. Like when he started going <laughs> off the rails and started like treating people like shit or not really knowing what to do, then Willoughby would swoop would swoop in and kind of like lead him in the right direction. Yeah. And I think that's why he's so. He's so uh, uh, lashed on to the to uh, Mildred's daughter's case because it's the last thing that Willoughby told him they were gonna work on after he died. Yeah. So that that's like the last thing that he has to latch on to Willoughby is him telling him that we're gonna try and find this killer for her. Yeah. Well, I thought that was like a huge turn in the movie because they go from like very lackluster about this case to actually seeing like seeming like they want to actually try and help. Mm -hmm. I know. And uh, when we get into the whole uh, Willoughby dying and stuff, I'll dive into like the letters that he puts and stuff. But I think that's a that was a huge turning point in the movie that I really like. I even like saw you like crying when he kills himself. Dude. <laughs> 
see the thing that gets me about this movie is the the language of the movie because yeah. the way they talk and just I mean, so many people were laughing in the audience about things that were just completely awful because of yeah. the delivery. Like mm-hmm. they're when she says, um, there's a, a scene with Mildred and the daughter, and it's the only scene with the daughter, and she you assume that it's the last time that they talk and she, the Mildred tells her says, I hope you get raped. Yeah, that was her last words Just to her, her. Last words to her daughter, and people were fucking laughing in the audience. Like it was yeah. this hilarious like a uh, fucking episode of Full House. <laughs> you know, I expected a laugh track there in the middle. People were laughing so hard because yeah. it was just the way that they voiced it and said it was just yeah. so contradictory from mm-hmm. what was being said. And it really kind of resonated with me insofar as that's kind of very much how white trash people talk to each other. Yeah. I like that <laughs> scene too, because you kind of get the feeling of like, even though it's a really small scene, it's the only scene you see with the daughter. Like you kind of get a feeling feel for their relationship as a whole. Yeah. Cause like you can see like, even though they're arguing, like you can see Mildred's like smiling while she's yelling at her. Yeah. Like it's that awful things. Yeah. They're saying awful things to each other, but like, she's still kind of like, they're still kind of like smiling and like being like, like laughing about it. And then it's like, it's one of those arguments where it's like, they're arguing and she's still kind of smiling about it. And then like the daughter says that one thing where she's like, Okay, now you fucking crossed a line. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then it starts getting into a heated argument. Yeah, they're calling each other bitches and the C word and all that. Yeah. That's all fun and game, but then we're just going to shout that I hope you get raped. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the daughter, she, she said, oh, yeah, I'll just, I, won't, I don't need the car. I'll just go by myself and I'll probably get raped then. And she's like, well, then I hope you get raped. Jesus. Like, it was just, yeah, like, it's just kind of like one of those growing, but I've, I've, I've had arguments like that before where, like, you kind of, like, throw lines at each other in a joking manner and then somebody says that one thing where it's like, oh, shit, you just said the wrong thing. Now oh, it's yeah. now we're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but no, it felt like a real argument. Like, yeah. that's, that's why I like that scene so much. And it's the one time you see the daughter and you can see how it went from just, like, a, like kind of like a sparring match into a full-fledged argument to... Something said that you can't take back, and now she's gone forever. And now you have this huge, like, gross, disgusting guilt inside you. Oh, yeah. And you have to find a way to, yeah, you (laughs) need to find some kind of way to elite, to like alleviate it in some way. And that's why this is one of my favorite performances of Frances McDormand ever. Like, she was amazing in this film. Terrifying. I, I I love that though. Like she's like she's such a small old woman, but she has that look on her face where like I do not want to fuck with you in oh the slightest. God. That like bit with the priest. Oh my god, I love that scene so much. But like it's culpable. It, <laughs> yes. But it lays out like her it lays out like her frame of reference on life in general. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not on my side, then you're on the side of my daughter's rapist, and mm-hmm. I hate you already. <laughs> like, cause, yeah, there's, like, uh, for people that haven't seen it that are just listening to the show, there's a scene where uh, the son kind of feels like the mother's kind of losing her mind, so he brings the priest in to kind of talk to her to kind of, like, bring her down to earth, and uh, she kind of talks about... Uh, 
there's some law. There was like some law between the Crips and the Bloods where like the judge made it where if you were a member of either gang and one of the gangs did like like a, a shooting where they killed a bunch of people, then you're culpable in that shooting, even though you had nothing to do with it. So then she links that to like uh, sodomy. Pedophilia. Yeah, the pedophilia and sodomy. And so she was like, so you're a reverend in the Catholic Church and you have all these priests that are sodomizing young boys. That means you're culpable. And it's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like, this is like a small town priest, like trying to like ease her mind about her daughter. And he's pretty much calling her a boy, calling him a boy rapist. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, and Didn't... that's like, that's like the extent she'll go in like these conversations. Like, she's so crude. Like she drops the C word constantly in this movie. Like she is so crude. Like. The exact opposite of how she is in Fargo. Like Fargo, she's like a very happy-go-lucky, pregnant housewife. And this, she's just a gross, like white trash, so crass, trash. crass, disgusting woman. But like in certain scenes, like you can see why she's doing what she's doing. Oh yeah, I I can get behind why she does what she does. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. My my big thing with it is that it's an awful topic, and it was, like, sad and depressing, and you're talking about a grieving mother losing a child in an awful way, which, if you don't know, she got burned alive yeah. and raped. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty much... At the ab- same time. She was abducted, raped, and then burned alive. No, I think That's... she was raped while she was on fire. What? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the the reference being made that she was raped while dying and she died by being burned alive. Oh my god. So either they're fucking her smoldering remains. Yeah. Or she was fucked and set on fire like or I mean she could have been beaten raped. Yeah, that's burnt. what I thought. Like they were like they pretty much beat her half to death and then raped her and then like set her on fire afterwards that's what i gathered from it but there's that whole like reference with the the guy at the end we'll, we'll get to that yeah <laughs> but uh the one thing i want to talk about now is like i love the whole aspect of uh the relationship between uh mildred and the chief mm-hmm. especially like, like when it comes out that he has cancer can we talk about that cancer drop did you th- I mean it was such like a throwaway like I have cancer. It felt so out of like left field for me. Yeah. Like and when like, I they actually like ran with it. Yeah, when <laughs> I first heard it, I thought it was just kind of like a way to shut her up where it was like yeah. I have cancer and then she would have been, "Oh shit, I'm sorry." Yeah. To, like kind of like test her to see if she would back off. Yeah. And but then like you get through it and then like they have that interrogation scene where like he's like interrogating her. And, like, he's actually saying, like, some, like, there's a lot of scenes like that in here where, like, they're doing something that's kind of, like, it's not lighthearted, but they have, like, some funny quips in there. And then something, like, drops where it's, like, oh, shit, something serious. Yeah. Like, when he's, like, having that interrogation with her and he's, like, kind of, like, kind of scolding her for, like, drilling a hole in the dentist. Oh, my God. And then, like, so it's kind of like this, like, it's not lighthearted, but it's, like, a little back and forth where there's, like, some funny things being said. And then out of nowhere, he, like, coughs blood on her. And then he has to go to the hospital. <clears throat> like, it's, like, small things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> where it's, like, it kind of, uh, like, it just, like, 
drops the scene altogether where like I but I kind of like that though where it's like in all honesty like this whole scenario especially like more importantly like in Chief Willoughby's eyes like it's so petty mm-hmm. especially with what he's going through mm-hmm. but he's still trying and that's what kind of gets me on his side the whole time see the thing that I found interesting about this is that when you deal with a with a drama and usually a drama that pertains to something as awful as like rape and loss of a child yeah the movie is depressing the whole way through yeah there isn't an interaction where it's positive or lighthearted or comforting it's usually all very like depression anger driven yeah where i mean in life that's not true you got to get up you got to go to work it's gonna Mm -hmm. hang with you all day but you're still gonna have normal conversations and you're still gonna make jokes and be funny and things of that nature and then it just all can suddenly come crashing back Mm -hmm. with no like prompting or anything yeah so i don't know like i i kind of have like a dissonance with it because I feel like it was too lighthearted for the subject matter, but also very true to what life actually is. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I like it's like mild lightheartedness to it because I think the movie plays a lot with like points of views, like mm. how people see certain things like this really terrible thing happened to this woman's daughter. So she's going to see everything in a certain light. But then there's everyone else around her. Where they know it's a terrible thing, but they're not directly connected to her daughter like she is. So they're going to take it in different ways. Like, especially, like, if Chief like Chief Willoughby, like, he's invested in the case. He wants to help, but he's not going to be as connected to the case as the mother is, mm-hmm. who's, like, pretty much ruining his life to yeah. try and make sure that he does something. He, like, he could be the greatest guy in the world. There's nothing he can... There's only so much he can do. Mm-hmm. That, but And even that's not going to be enough for her because she's not going to be settled until something, until somebody pays for what happened to her daughter. Well, you even just touch on, like, the case that uh, people aren't going to be as invested in Mildred's case because of the actions of her daughter and just the, like, very short portrayal that you see of her. She yeah. does not seem like a good kid. This is no. not the straight-A student cheerleader. This is the druggy dropout mm-hmm on her way to rehab kid who yeah you know you expect something awful like this to happen to them mm-hmm. if not in their teens at least in their 30s when they're washed up and not pretty anymore oh exactly <laughs> i mean she's an unwed alcoholic mother just waiting to happen much like hers yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like especially like in a small town like we live in like there's plenty of people like that where like they're just waiting for something bad to happen to them so like the townspeople can be like i mean it's a terrible thing but it was bound to happen sooner or later like that's how that's how shit like this works i mean it sucks i mean there's still people they shouldn't like no one should really be like saying i told you so when your daughter's brutally raped and murdered but they're kind that's how they kind of play it off as yeah they're they're definitely definitely making those allusions to her of well we support you but now that it's in our face we're really kind of against exactly it. especially like when the because uh, chief willoughby is always seen as like the the sterling member of of the of the community especially when it comes out that he has cancer mm. and like his face is like not his face but like his name is plastered up on these billboards next to 
raped while dying. Yeah. Like, it definitely rubs everyone the wrong way, where it's like, how dare you treat this this perfectly nice individual that's done a lot for the community like shit for your deadbeat daughter probably getting what she deserved. Yeah. Like, that's what they're pretty much saying to her. Oh, yeah. Especially with the whole, well, when you stopped coming to church, lying. Oh, God. <laughs> How many times I've fucking heard that? Oh Jesus Christ. I've lived here for, what, nine months and I've already heard Why don't you it come half to church a dozen more times. Often? Yeah. But yeah, that's how small towns work sometimes. They're shitty like that. Sometimes. But I liked how... Okay, all the time. But I like... Yeah, I like that portrayal of it, though, where, like, even, like, uh, without even really telling you that they hate you, like, they do small things. Like, the scene with the dentist, mm-hmm. where it's like she has to remind him to use Novocaine on her. Yeah. Like, I, I can almost kind of see that happening in a small town where it's like, like oh, okay. Oops. Yeah. Oops, my bad. Oh, let me just get that after I after you need six stitches in your gum. It's okay. Yeah. It'll heal. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it, it sheds that light on, like, those people in small towns where they definitely don't have the best reputation. But you kind of see, like, their motivations for doing stuff. Like, it's definitely crass and it's definitely not, like, the the PC way to approach things, mm-hmm. but it's, they even, even like in uh, Willoughby's letter to her, he's like, it worked. Yeah. Fuck. Like, people are like actually investing in this case. It yeah. worked. Like it, I, it definitely fucked up my life, but it worked. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't really ever see it as it having really fucked up his life. I mean, it's caused some like impositions in his life. I don't think, yeah, it didn't fuck up his life, but it pressured him more. Like, yeah. I think it, it made him feel more guilty that he couldn't do more. Yeah, that Cause I he, can see. Because he definitely dives more into the case, mm-hmm. especially when he's in this part of his life where, like, he's told he has, like, months to live. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of want to spend that with my family, and now I'm here trying to solve your case. Like, I told you I'm dying, and you're yeah. still, like, still, you're the chief, do your fucking job. So it's like, I like that because you can kind of see it from both perspectives where it's like, he has a lot more to worry about than some woman's dead daughter because he has, he has his own family to, to worry about, but yet it's still his job to find the murderer. Well, that's what happens when you're a public figure. You have to put your life on hold to deal with others, mm-hmm. well, especially when you're the public figure of a small town. <laughs> exactly. But, uh. Uh, going off of that, we get to the part where uh, Willoughby decides to commit suicide mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, he's decided that he doesn't want his uh, family to like see him in this weak position once it gets to the point where uh, this cancer takes over. So he goes out to the lake with his daughters and has them play a game where they have to stay on a blanket and fish while he goes and fucks his wife in Can the woods talk about how <laughs> unbelievably gorgeous his wife is and how oh it my doesn't God. fucking make sense woody harrelson like uh in true detective like he was considered like a huge playboy too where he was fucking all these like amazingly beautiful women like where in what universe how the fuck happen? woody harrelson are you getting all this hot tail does she know you're woody harrelson is that why she's doing this i know his wife is so hot in this and i mean they're two kids deep and she's still hot god i know i mean that hair is done the makeup is on those she had giant knockers yeah 
She was Babe, hot. She was lovely. Hot. Super hot. No. But yeah. So so they go bang in the woods, spend the day with their daughters, and then uh, they're kind of winding down for the rest of the night. His, his uh, wife is wine drunk. And then uh, he says, oh, I'm just going to go out to the stable and go, you know, feed the horses. And then he goes and shoots himself. Which, yep. this was like a super thought out. Yeah. Like, I never, I never would have thought of, like, because he does that whole thing where he puts a, a black bag over his head. And with, like, leaving a note saying, don't open... Uh, like well, he's a cop. You his... would have seen a lot of this. This is true. And that... he would have known how that would have affected his kids and family. Yeah. And let's face it, nobody wants to clean brain off the stable. It's not pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd never seen that in a movie before, and I thought that was a really thought out way of way of handling it, where he he put a note saying, like basically telling his family, "Don't open this bag. Wait for the authorities." Yeah. Like I thought that was like that was almost kind of like thinking ahead and like actually caring about about them well he's not doing it to it's not cowardice yeah it's not because he's upset with his life yeah it's not vengeful or vain mm-hmm. or anything of that nature it's purely trying to spare his family from yeah further harm yeah it'll be a lot easier for them if it goes quickly than watching him deteriorate for months to years yeah especially when your whole your whole uh, idea of doing this is so your your uh, family doesn't see you in this weak position and then they see you with like your head caved in from a bullet yeah that would kind of defeat the whole purpose but no i just thought that was a really cool like accent to the whole thing where he put the bag on his head but this is, I think, after he dies is when uh, Willoughby's character becomes more interesting. Because when he, uh, throughout the movie, he writes letters to certain people. Like, he writes one to Dixon. He writes one to Mildred. And he writes, writes one to his wife. And it's like, it's like his character takes a completely different turn from how he was in the beginning. And it's like, he entered, like, this new state of mind when he knew he was, he had nothing left in this life like he like he spends a, a lot of the part a lot of his time in the movie kind of arguing with Mildred act like asking why are these billboards up why are you doing this blah 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 and then in, in his note to Mildred like you kind of think he's gonna be like I got the last laugh I'm dead now thanks for thanks for nothing mm-hmm. but he kind of like lays out like hey you were right you're like, right. Everyone's yeah. gonna think this is your fault. Yeah, everyone's gonna it's think not. this is your fault. It's not. And then he almost kind of plays like a gang, like a game where it's like, I'm not gonna tell him that it wasn't your fault. I'm gonna let you take the blame for it because you kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like my life while I was here, and and then he's like, even to like to fuck with you even more, I paid for the rest of the months for your billboard so they stay up. So then it like it fucks with you. Like even even if you do feel bad about him being up, like you can't take him down in any way. Because I paid for the rest of the months for him. Well, and I don't, I don't ever think that Mildred would feel bad about it. No, no, no. She never really, she doesn't really ever portray where like she doesn't want to. Like in a way, like there's a there's also like a scene where like somebody burns the billboards down, mm-hmm. and then when they're put back up, she still includes the Willoughby part, even though he's dead. It's more like an homage to him because he's the one that paid for it. Like she wants to. She's more or less doing right by him now that she's keeping the billboards up because it's his money that's that's paying for the billboards now. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like this like shared respect between them now, which is really interesting. 
I want to touch on the letter to the wife. Okay. And how it was well thought out, beautifully touching, and extremely crass and grotesque. <laughs> I mean, it was... I've never been brought to tears by the words... Oh my god, what was it? Like, dick quotes by Charles Dickens or something like that? Yeah. Who was it? <laughs> It was like, yeah, like dick poetry or something. He yeah. Because like she brought up something where it's like... There's... Oscar Wilde. Yeah, the Oscar Wilde of dicks. Like of yeah. dick lyrics or something. Yeah. And it was... Uh. They he included a dick joke in his <laughs> apology suicide note. Yeah. I mean, it's just but, complex. Yeah. But I, I like that, though, sense. because... Yeah, I like that, though, because he's not... He's not, like, treating it like it's some morose event. Like, it's just he. It's just something he wants to do before he becomes too far gone. Yeah. Like, it's a joke that he would not be anywhere near able to tell his wife when if he was in the state of mind he was in, like, in like after, like, the fifth chemo treatment yeah. or something. Still, he wants to die knowing that his wife likes his dick. Yeah. Everyone I mean, wants that. <laughs> You'd rather go out after a good lay than eight rounds of chemotherapy with all your hair falling out and an inability to keep down food. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, so yeah, so I I love where, like, the Willoughby character goes after he dies with all these notes. Because, yeah, the one to Mildred where he kind of lays out, like, how he has respect for her and how she was right in putting the billboards up because he actually got something done. And then his one to Dixon where he kind of lays out, like what he was doing for him where he was kind of like saying like, you have a lot of potential and I saw that in you, you just, you kind of go off the rails every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then he reads that note when Mildred's lighting the fucking police station on fire. Oh my God. <laughs> because she assumes that Dixon lit the billboards on fire. No, she lights the police station on fire because oh, why the fuck does she light it on no, fire? No, those billboards go up in flames, and then she oh, goes and yeah, lights that's up right. the police station. Yeah, she thought that there was some kind of conspiracy with the police station, so uh, with the police station uh, burning down the billboard. So she goes to burn down the police station, and she calls to uh, make sure no one's in it. And Dixon doesn't an- and no one an- Dixon's inside, but he doesn't answer because he's got his like fucking earbuds in or something. So she's like, "All right, fuck it." So she starts like lighting. She throws like Molotov cocktails against the uh, uh, police station and like starts burning while Dixon's reading this note about how like Willoughby says he believes him and believes him and stuff. And then he turns around and there's this big ball of fire in his face. So like he goes and uh, grabs. Uh, Mildred's case or Mildred's daughter's case file and jumps out the burning out of the burning building and like he gets caught on fire in the process and at no point did he think that there would be a second exit which is I know usually buildings like that yeah you're legally supposed to have another exit like there's isn't there anything in the back yeah nope this motherfucker jumps out the window that's true and is saved by none other than the marvelous Peter Dinklage. Oh God, I forget. Oh my God, he just Peter comes Dinklage. Out of nowhere. Peter Dinklage has the small as a small part in this, but just playing a white trash uh, little person, he it's so good. I it was, and it was 
one of those like small little asides yeah. of how he takes to being like it's in the term that he uses a midget in yeah. Missouri where everybody kind of shits on him but he just kind of rolls with the punches like yeah you're right you got me there yeah I'm tiny good for you yeah slow clap away yeah <laughs> he was like maybe in a grand total of like three scenes but every single one of them like he added something where like you still felt for him or you're like like I barely know who you are and I feel for you like you're you're totally getting shit on in every at in every single way and yet he walks away with the most dignity I think. yeah he does yeah <laughs> like he he especially is like like uh when his like date with mildred goes south he's just like you know what i tried not gonna work out i'm just gonna walk away yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like latch on to you like i feel like this is the only way i'm gonna ever find love you're you're a broken human being I'm done. Yeah. Because like, Mildred almost kind of does it like it's a favor to him. And he's like, no, I just asked you because I liked you. Yeah. And now you're acting like a total shitbag. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. And even almost kind of made it sound like it was kind of a favor to her. Because he yeah. does cover for the fact that she, like, tried to burn down the police station. Yeah, he does. Saves her ass on that end to, like, snag a date. Yeah. I held the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were just checking out her ass. Shut up. Yeah. No shit. But no, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Peter Dinklage is amazing in this. Um, <clears throat> John Hawks, who plays her, her ex-husband, Ugh. is, like, such a shitbag. Such like, a shitbag. Like, even though he's, like, he's totally, like, an abusive husband figure. Mm -hmm. Like, there's even a scene where, like, he chokes her against a wall and the, and the son pulls a knife on him. And then it's, like, broken by, like, his, like... 19 year old girlfriend being like can i use the bathroom and that is <laughs> as someone who has the unfortunate experience of being in a white trash knife fight yeah that's 100 percent how it would go down really <laughs> <laughs> there has been so i shouldn't say so many that makes me sound bad but there has been more than one night where somebody gets drunk and says something stupid and it gets out of control and it's broken by somebody making a stupid joke. Oh, yeah. Or the cops pulling up and being like, you guys having fun over there? Yeah, we're good. Everything's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, it just it resonated a little bit too much with my childhood. Oh. <laughs> All right. There you go. We'll dive more into your history later. But anyways. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so let's like start diving into like... Uh, like the end, because we pretty much got it all laid out where, uh, like, Dixon has, like, this new found uh, motivation to find uh, Mildred's daughter's killer. And, like, Mildred's acting insane as usual. <clears throat> and, um... Well, one thing that I want to touch on before we get too close is uh, one of the last things that Woody Harrelson's character says to Mildred is... Cases like this happen all the time, unfortunately. It'll probably be broke five years down the line when somebody says something to somebody and it gets back to a, like, jury member or something like that. Yeah, or it, it'll come down to, like, somebody bragging about it in a bar or something. Yeah. Which is the exact scene that plays out in this. Yeah. Which, that's the one gripe I have with this movie is, like, I feel like the whole thing of introducing the killer coming back was kind of forced. Yeah. Like, they did a lot of shit where it was a little too convenient. Like, especially with him 
coming back and getting in Mildred's face about it. Yeah. And then, like, with him, like, bragging about it at the bar when, like, Dixon is, like, sitting in the next booth over from them. Well, I guess it it kind of more paints the picture to me that this guy is a serial rapist. Yeah. And he probably gets off on doing it or thinking about doing it or other people having had done it. Yeah. And with the encounter with Mildred in the store after having seen her picture, obviously there was something there that he would have liked. And I don't think that it's out of bounds to think that he would have raped and murdered her if given the opportunity. Yeah. But, yeah, it it seemed like such an out, like, it's such like an on-the-outskirts kind of uh, story to bring into it. Because they never really dive into what it really is. Like, they don't even really, because they they do a thing where uh, Dixon gets into a fight with him. Just so he can get his DNA because he scratches him mm-hmm. so he can like, get the DNA. Because they do have the DNA from the crime scene of the person who did it. And they say the DNA doesn't match and that he has an alibi that he was uh, away. Overseas. Uh, yeah, he was overseas like in Afghanistan or something like in the in uh, the ar- or in the army or whatever. So he has an alibi and it's not his DNA. So it's like. So but it. It seems so much like he did it because he's so like he knows details about it and stuff. So it's like there's a lot of like loose ends that never really get uh, like answered. My thing with it is that I think it kind of brings to light the people that you encounter when you try to publicize your daughter's murder. Oh, Okay. And that, yes, they don't get all the answers. And, yes, this movie does not give you a fucking resolution. No, it doesn't. Not at all. I do like the ending, though. I'll get into the ending when we jump into that. But, no, go on. But I think with all the different encounters, it it really is more of a story of the people you have to deal with as the parent of someone who has lost a child, including a gross, disgusting human being who read about it in the newspaper and is fucking getting off on it. I like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like, yeah, because... Yeah, because he's, he's a total shitbag. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time you see him, like, Mildred is going to work at, like, she works at, like, this novelty knickknack shop. It's kind of like a tourist trap in this, like, small Missouri town. And she... This guy comes in and he's just super confrontational and just like talking about like, 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 uh, he's like really in her face. And he's like, do you have a problem with me? And he's like, yeah, maybe I'm chief. Maybe I'm a friend of Chief Ullaby. Maybe, maybe I'm the one that raped your daughter. And he's just like getting in her face and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just leaves where it's like, like, you seem like you could have been the one that did it. But yeah, maybe he just could be some, some creep who's like. Loves the idea of, like, g- taking credit for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have, like, copycat killers and things like that. And when they figure out that it's... You assume that what he did, he did overseas. Okay. Where he's not going to get in trouble for it. Yeah. What he did, he liked. And he's found a girl that this has happened to under similar circumstances for which he's done it. I.e., beating raping setting on fire yeah 
he did that. Someone else did that. He wants to go through and try and relive the experience, like, legally, I yeah. guess. Yeah. He, he wants to get off. He's a pervert. He's a disgusting human being. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and he's trying to look for a way of being able to rape and murder people and not get in trouble for it. Because, I mean, you don't want to get caught. Yeah. So, like, he does all of his shady shit when he's overseas, and then when he finds cases that are similar to what he did overseas, then that's where he can get the gratification of people know what I did now. Yeah. Like, I can take credit for this. Like, I can go around and be like, yeah, I did this. Or not even necessarily take credit for it. Just live vicariously. Go yeah. to where the girl got murdered and just jerk off or something. I don't know. Yeah, because he's, he's not even from Missouri. He's like from, like, what, Idaho or something? Yeah. So like that means he's he... all the way here. Yeah, yeah, he drove all the way there just to be like, yep, I did it. And then when he actually gets called out for it, he's like, no, I was overseas. No, I was fine. I, was, yeah. I, didn't, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes it more interesting now. That it could actually it just it's just some creepy dude that just wants to take credit for it. Yeah. Because yeah, I, like I that. mean, all the people that she encounters are gonna be I mean, from the the priest and his like silent judgment to mm. the uncooperative police department from her view, even though they're yeah. doing the best that they can mm -hmm. to, you know, school bullying for her son as, you know, the one that survived because kids are going to pick on him for that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Your sister got <laughs> raped and murdered. <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably won't pick him for that, but they'll pick on him for like the fact that his mom is so. Is, alcoholic. -y. Yeah. <laughs> or just a bitch in general for just I getting know. in people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> when she just kicks those two kids in the crotch. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I have been kicked there. Let me tell you, it is not pleasant. <laughs> but yeah, so I want to like, I want to uh, kind of uh, brush up on like the ending to this because I do like the ending of this because mm -hmm. it's it brings kind of uh, Mildred and Dixon together, where like they're two completely opposite people, but they're drawn together with this common purpose of finding uh, her daughter's killer, and they just kind of come to this realization that they'll never find him, but they found this person. That they can, that they do know is a shit bag. That they can come together and get justice for her. Like they can get justice on him in honor of her. I think of the daughter. That's what I kind of gathered the ending being. I don't think they know what they're doing. Yeah, I yeah, I got that they, too. They don't know, and I think even though they say the DNA doesn't match, and even though he has an alibi, there's still kind of this. When he, like, talks about the story, he, t he talks about others being there. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if maybe his alibi isn't as, is it as solid as you would like, and that maybe he was an onlooker. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was multiple people, and they can't tell due to, like, body deterioration, and he mm -hmm. just happened to be one of those people that didn't leave DNA. Yeah. I think there's still room for doubt that he could possibly be one of those people. Yeah. Or he could be this disgusting pervert who's just fulfilling out a fantasy. Yeah, and they yeah they even enter the scenario not knowing that he really even is the person that did this. Mm -hmm. But they're pretty much going to drive to his house in fucking Idaho with a shotgun. <laughs> and they were like, it's like, the whole ending is pretty much her and Dixon get together. And Dixon says that, I, saw, I heard this dude brag about killing your daughter and raping her. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, the DNA doesn't match, but I'm pretty sure it's him. What do you want to do? And she was like, well, I guess we're going to go to, I guess I'm going to go to Hydo. And he was like, well, do you want some company? They get together, they get into a truck and they're just driving. And then uh, like Dixon or somebody says, so we're going to kill him. And she's like, I don't know yet. And they just keep driving. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's like a perfect, I think it's like a perfect summary of both of their characters where I feel like they're both similar in the sense that they were driven into this state of mind where they, they're kind of lost. I think they're both very passionate individuals who just don't come from strong moral backgrounds. Yeah. They don't have strong moral conviction. The things that they do aren't right, but they know that the things that are happening are wrong. So their response is still wrong due to their like upbringing, mm-hmm. like setting the police department on fire. Yeah. Or becoming violent because, I mean, violence breeds violence. Violence is what they've known, so that's how they act out. Well, I think, well, Mildred is totally just driven by by just her daughter's death. Like, she's just, that broke her altogether. I don't think so. I think she was most likely a violent person to begin with. Because yeah, I don't know, because they don't really she... they don't really show much of her before her daughter's death. Yeah, she thinks things way too well out. Yeah. She understands consequences. This isn't a passion for her. This is this is thought out. This is calculated to an extent, maybe not 100 percent. Yeah, I don't think she thinks everything out, but at least for the the first part, it yeah. is thought out. Her revenge is planned i think she would have had violent tendencies before this well she does come from a violent house like she was uh uh, she was in a pretty much a domestic abuse type relationship with her ex-husband like he definitely did beat her oh yeah but i don't know i feel like a lot of the 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 irrational decisions that she comes to in the film i think are definitely driven by her daughter's death. And I think maybe it was something where it was a part of her that was bound to come to the surface sooner or later, but Mm -hmm. her daughter's death is what awoke that in her where she's a lot more violent and a lot more in your face and a lot more black and white where either you help me solve my daughter's death or you're nothing to me. And it's kind of like that for her. And I think she's so driven by that and she was, She's been driven by that for so long that I feel like that's why she's like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do after we if we when we get there, because I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. If we do like if he is my daughter's killer and we kill him, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life because I've I've been so driven on this for so long. And I think Dixon is involved because I think uh, Mildred is his new chief Willoughby. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Where she's she's she has enough strong conviction that she can that he's kind of following her because pretty much he should fucking hate her cuz he she like he's like she's the reason why he's like all scarred up and burned from uh from the police station. But like it's kind of him latching on to things. Like he latched on to Chief Willoughby or like he latched on to his mom first, and then he latched on to Chief Willoughby. Then he lashed onto the case file for uh, Mildred's daughter, and then that 
led him to latch on to Mildred because I don't th- I just think he's a person that has no conviction for himself. I would agree. And but and I like that relationship because like and that's why I like the ending where it's uh, Dixon asking, are we going to kill him? Because he doesn't know what he's going to do because he's just waiting for her to to give him the <laughs> yeah give him the mission like what do i do now yeah like you're now you're in charge of me did you get the feeling at the end where uh dixon and mildren have that conversation over the phone where he's holding the shotgun that he was contemplating suicide himself i i yeah i think like if she was just gonna hang up and be like yeah, okay whatever and then hang up he was gonna kill himself because yeah. then he had nothing else yeah all he has all he has left is this case that Mildred has. Yeah. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll kill him. I think they both have too much, too much, uh, that it final, they would finalize things too much. I don't know. For them. Yeah. But it's like once they get there. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where like once they get there, they have to do something. And I think that's why I like that they ended it before they even showed that because it's, Mm. It's such a finite way. It's like a, such a finite ending for both of them that mm. I feel like it would just end them. They don't know what else to do from there. Well, I mean, from Idaho to Missouri, that's a long way off. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they could you could talk yourself out of a plenty of shit. <laughs> talk yourself in and out of plenty of shit multiple <laughs> times before you get there. But no, like the uh, but I like the idea of them. They they cut away before they show them actually confronting this thing that they're about to do. Because I feel like just even the thought of confronting that, even the, the thought of even them not doing it is a finite thing because mm-hmm. them not doing it means that they're accepting the fact that they don't know who killed her daughter. And now they have to re- live the rest of their lives with nothing else, with, with like the one not pursuing the one thing they've been pursuing well, really, it hasn't been that long. Well, for She's Mildred, only it was been like dead for nine months. Yeah, but like Mildred is like I don't think she had much going on before her daughter's death. No, and no. and I think her daughter's death drove her, in like over these last over those last nine months, and I think that's enough time to be like the minute this is settled, you're lost. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was lost the moment she lost her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, How'd you yeah. come back from that? <laughs> yeah, because she even kind of, because they both kind of, uh, when they showed Dixon and Mildred kind of leaving their respected households, like, they both kind of leave, like, Dixon kind of leaves his mom being like, this is the last time I'm going to see you. And then Mildred kind of leaves her son kind of acting like this is the last time I'm going to see you. Like, whatever they're going to do... They're not coming back to Missouri. Yeah. That's kind of, that's definitely the feeling that I got. Way to abandon your 16 year old son there. No shit. Yeah. So yeah, like she's going to avenge her daughter by abandoning her son. Yeah. No, I definitely do not think that she has strong like parenting convictions. Mm -hmm. I think her children are. She's probably driven more by guilt than anything. Yes, I would agree. This is not, I want my child back. This is. Yeah, I pretty much foretold what my do- what was going to happen to my daughter, and now I want to avenge that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was yeah <laughs> rough. But no, like, uh, 
So uh, all together, uh, what would you what would you grade three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri? <sighs> I really don't know. Let's say on a curve for movies this past year, which have all sucked. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I'd give it an A minus if we're grading on a curve. I'll give it an A minus. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was definitely. I thought it was going to be better than what it was, but I still thought it, like especially with the characters in general. I thought the characters are were super well thought out and really oh, interesting yeah. all the They're way through. So good. And I think just writing on that alone, I think drives the story of the film altogether. So yeah, solid A minus from the only. My only complaint kind of being that some of the, sometimes the language is a little overdone. Like they, they drop like C words like, <laughs> on a regular basis where you're like. Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> true. But <laughs> I don't know. Like it kind of took me out of it sometimes where I'm like, okay. Like we're, you're kind of bordering on like, uh, like. Dramatic scene to 13-year-old that figured out he could swear because his mom's not in the room. There were some scenes like that. Missouri. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Missouri. I got gotcha. you. Okay. You, you're you more of an expert on Missouri than I am. Yeah, so We're going to get like a call from the state of Missouri being like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey. We love the C word. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we're practically Australia down here. Mate. But no, I no, yeah. Beyond that, I I really enjoyed this film. I yeah, solid A minus for me. But we'll see if it makes my list. Oh. At the beginning of next year, though, we'll oh. see. Yeah. We shall see. See. So uh, beyond that, uh, Molly Pop, since we all we watched pretty much the same stuff together all the time. What have we been watching? Oh my lately? god. <laughs> well, The Crown. Mm. Which has been wonderful. Yes, The Crown. Yeah, Always it's pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm liking it this season. Yeah. I like their hep- episode structure where they kind of stick to one main topic throughout the episode. Or even two or three episodes. Because I think yeah. that the whole, like, you're, well, I don't know how much can I say. Oh, like, like there was, like, a three-episode arc with uh, Prince Phil, with, like, the Philip. Yeah. Where it was, like... We're just gonna we're just gonna highlight how much of a shitbag he was. Yeah. For for three episodes straight, he was a shitbag. <laughs> it's all unsubstantiated, but he's an uns- unsubstantiated shitbag. Let me tell you. <laughs> and then also, uh, is it the Duke of Wellington, the oh yeah king? Oh my god! Yeah, they they. They dive into some shady shit that some characters from the first season did. They didn't. He had. I had no idea of. No. And then they're providing photographic evidence at the yeah. end in your life. I remember. Yeah, I remember oh. as we were as we were watching the the especially Duke of Wellington one especially. You were kind of like this. This has got to be kind of blown out of proportion. I feel like. I feel like this is more gossip. And then they show the photos at the end. And you're like, oh yeah, he was a shitbag. Oh. Thing. Yep, there it is. That it happened. Yeah, that one. That's a that's a that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, even the stuff with uh, Princess Margaret is really fascinating, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crown is... We're, I think we only have, like, two more episodes left. Even if, like, one-tenth of the stuff is true, it's still... Oh, yeah. It's still good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... It yeah we're only ten we only have like two more episodes left but Crown season two is not holding back in the slightest it's real good no it is not I'm I'm especially looking forward to the Diana years oh yeah oh, God. because that I, I will have been around for that stuff like I remember when Princess Diana died oh yeah I mean I was itty bitty but I I have some frame of reference on that so I'm really excited to get into like. Mm-hmm things that i've actually experienced about the royal family yeah oh for sure all of that stuff most def yeah i know i'm i'm curious about how they're gonna handle it too because i know that 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 movie the queen that's out where uh, helen mirren plays queen elizabeth where they kind of talk about the years after diana died where she's Mm. still kind of trying to like maintain like her stoic conviction and just like you're fucking grand daughter's dead like why are you still trying to do this like crazy royal shit yeah. you're not like showing any sympathy whatsoever for her death yeah well i mean there's that's the other thing though like there's a lot of rumors like surrounding her death as to like whether it was like a plot by the crown to get rid of her oh, God. because um who was it is it um christopher or whoever the next one is in line yeah you know they're not allowed to divorce and he wanted out because she was too much for the people Mm. and was causing problems and then all of a sudden she dies so i mean there's there's rumors surrounding that yeah which i'll be interested to see like how those those volleys play out from the Mm -hmm. the crown to the people and everything yeah so yeah i'm excited yeah well, this is uh, the the woman that plays Elizabeth. This is her last season playing Elizabeth. They're getting like an older actress for the next season. Mm. So I'm, Which, I'm curious to see how, how she plays out, too. I hope they like age it gracefully and don't go straight to like... Yeah, like, at least they like go a couple <laughs> more years in the future where it's not like a blatantly obvious like yeah. difference. Yeah. <laughs> like someone who will be able to age with time as opposed mm-hmm. to being like, oh, suddenly you have white hair, shrunk two feet, and constantly wear pillbox hats. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think the the woman they're casting, I think she's probably, I think she's like in her early 40s, mid 40s, I think. Mm. So, and I think she's supposed to be like in her mid 30s this season, isn't she? I think she's in her 40s. In this season? I think so. Because the first season takes from 20 to 30, so this would be 30 to 40. Okay. Roughly. Okay. Well, we'll see then. But uh, anything else you want to bring up? Coco? Oh, I brought up Coco like a long time ago. Okay, that's all I got. Okay. Well, uh... Talk about me binge-watching Will and Grace and Parks and Rec, but hey... (laughs) Well, uh, I vaguely watched The Hitman's Bodyguard. Ugh. What a... Okay, it's a piece of shit. Don't... <laughs> I was not a fan oh. of it at all. It's really, really bad. It's really, really good background noise to when you want to play video games and ignore oh, the significant other. it's so bad. Like, the stock music they use in that oh fucking my movie? God. It's the worst. Like, this is like... The definition of overprocessed boop, boop, bullshit boop, movie. Boop, boop, oh, fuck. Do, do, do. Yeah. Just play the Wii. <laughs> play the Wii music. If you have 
looked it up. People have been putting Wii music to suspenseful parts in movies, and it is fantastic. Dude, that Final Destination one. <laughs> look up look up Wii Final Destination, and it's like the most tense scene to the Wii music, and you're like, every single beat drop on the Wii music is like, shit's gonna, no, fuck! And it's like eight minutes. It makes it more suspenseful. <laughs> like, I, oh my god. Look up Wii... We Final Destination, I think it's That's called. All you need to know. Yeah, Go figure it out. It is so fucking good. We like watching in bed together one night, and we're just like, <gasps> oh, okay, it's not, it's just the beat drop from the Wii music. It's nothing's <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. But yeah, uh, Hitman's Bodyguard is fucking the shits. It's terrible. Ugh. And it's not even it's not even that funny. I thought it'd be like at least they have like somewhat comedic mo- anything funny was in the trailer yeah. anything funny was from the trailer all things funny were from the trailer <sighs> it's so fucking even like trying to be like heartfelt with it at times and it's like you're trying to be heartfelt with fucking sam jackson and ryan reynolds it- ryan reynolds <laughs> was literally just playing deadpool but like less edgy he was like pg-13 deadpool yeah he wasn't even like it's an r film and he's like PG-13 Deadpool. Yeah, he's... It's it's dog shit. It's a fucking terrible film. Do not, by any means, support that piece of shit. It's an awful, 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 awful film. Tell me how you really feel. It's awful. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, I've been watching while, while we've been falling in bed, because I know you usually fall asleep before me. I've been watching that documentary on Netflix, One of Us. Where they like talk to three people that are trying to separate themselves from the from uh, Hasidic Jews in New York. Oh, and uh, I it's to see that, but I guess now I won't. Oh, we'll, we'll watch. You can watch. You can watch. I'm gone so many times. You can watch stuff while I'm not there. That's my video gaming time. Oh my god! Enough. We're fine. This, I I give you plenty of things that I watch where I'm like, you should watch this, and you're like. Yeah, maybe I will. And give that give that dazed off look where you're like, you're gonna play video games instead, aren't you? <laughs> like, you have plenty of time to watch stuff that I recommend to you outside of when we're together. It's never gonna instead happen. you just yell at me for watching it before you do. Well, anyways, well, I you better get used to. It. <laughs> I did see one of us, and it's good. I liked it, but the the. The story they have with the woman, like, far eclipses the other two stories where you're almost kind of waiting for her, for them to get back into her story. Because it's so fucking, it is so heartbreaking. Because, like, her story is, like, she was pretty much in a marriage where the husband was, like, beating her. And, like, she pretty much had to divorce him and leave. Like, she still wants to be a Hasidic Jew, but... Like, her husband was so violent towards her that she, like, divorced him and had to leave. And, uh, because, like, Hasidic Jews are very male-dominated, they just take his side on everything. So, like, they kind of follow her custody case for her kids, where she's trying to get her kids back, back from this guy. Where, like, her kids even hate him. Like, her kids are like, like, we, this guy is a, an abusive fuck. We want to live with you. But New York... I guess, like, 
uh, the Hasidic Jews in New York are so intertwined in like the legal system in New York that they uh, found a way to uh, implement some kind of status quo law within the courts where uh, if you uh, bring the children into an environment that they're not used to, then they have more of a right to go with a parent that they're in, that lives in the environment they're more used to. And that's how Hasidic Jews get away with, like, custody cases all the time. Jesus. And because, uh, like, a big thing of Hasidic Jews is that you kind of give all your property to, like, the church. The church uses that to buy, like, a fuck ton of lawyers <laughs> to, like, pretty much win all these, ca- all these like, custody cases so they can keep, like, all the kids if, like, people try and get away and, like, live their own lives outside the church. Well, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Hasidic, yeah. Like, I'm all for religious freedom, but there are some churches that are fucking, like, terrible as fuck sometimes when it comes to this (laughs) shit. Like, they are terrible. Oh, Mormons. Yeah, Mormons are bad, too. (laughs) But, like, like, yeah, you have, like, someone who's, like, wants to be a part of your church, but yet you're so fucking male-dominated that you just sweep... Like, domestic abuse under the rug. <laughs> like, they follow another guy where, like, uh, they spend they spend most of the time, uh, like, talking about how he's a drug addict. And then they dive into a story where it's like, oh, yeah, I went to a summer camp. I went to, like, an acidic Jew summer camp where, like, the counselor raped me. Jesus. But yet he still has his job because they don't want to deal with shit like that. Like, they they deal more with, like, well, if you do something bad... And you pray about it, then it's fine. So then the guy still has his job, even though he's probably still doing it. He just hasn't, hasn't got caught for it yet. It's okay. I'll just pray. I'll pray the gay away. Yeah, it's just it's shit like that. Like it's just oh, it's so heartbreaking. But it's a good documentary. Netflix, one of us, check it out. But uh, yeah, that's all I've been into. So Molly Pop, if people want to talk about the Crown with you, where can they find you? don't all right there you go fair enough uh you can find me at bucky for everyone on twitter also bucky for everyone bucky for everyone on instagram and hey why not bucky for everyone on snapchat and if you want to find us as a show as a whole you can find us on our hosting site reviewreviewpod.podbean.com also you can find us at reviewreviewpod.com at gmail.com if you want to send us anything email wise also review review pod on Twitter, you can also find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you find anywhere you can find a podcast. We are there emitting our horrible opinions to you every single possible week because we love you. I don't. She doesn't love us. I don't love anybody. <laughs> I know I probably missed some kind of plugs. Troy's probably going to message me tomorrow being like, you didn't mention this, you fuckbag. But, uh... <laughs> That's all I can remember. Oh, Facebook. We're on, we're on a review review pod on Facebook at some in, in some retrospect. You can find us on there. We're socially interactive in every single possible way. Look for us. You'll find us. Next week, we're doing my Nerd Boner episode. The one where Troy gets like three or four comic book movies a year. I get one nerd movie a year. My Star Wars. Star Wars, episode seven. 
The Last Jedi. I am so pumped. Yes, and I can't wait to sit next to someone that's moaning the entire time. <laughs> you can Yay for literally me. feel me vibrating in the next seat. Like, <sighs> that'll be me. That will be me. But yeah, so that'll be our next show. So uh, And T-Max will be back. So there you go for that as well. But uh, yeah, so for Molly Pop, Molly Pop, you want to say goodbye? Goodbye, all. <laughs> For Molly Pop, I am JT3K, and we are off.